this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a man of many talents and many job descriptions. He's a comedian, actor, former radio DJ, and talk show host, game show and reality show host, Emmy-winning TV presenter, and one of the busiest and most versatile and popular personalities on television today. He's done done just about everything, see? There you go. See, you know, the engineer said, in case (laughs) you you. fuck up. (laughs) This is in case I fuck up. (laughs) And he, you know what, what's... Does does he ever listen to this show? In case? <laughs> He's done just about everything a man can do in show business. Hosting his own radio show, guest hosting and co-hosting stables like Good Morning America, The Miss America Pageant, The Jerry Lewis Telethon, sharing the screen with the Muppets and appearing in hit shows like the Nanny, Castle, and Star Trek Enterprise. Hell, he's even done stand-up comedy, performed magic tricks, and worked as a mime. For six seasons, he hosted the revamp of the iconic game show Hollywood Squares. I think I remember that show. <laughs> Winning his first two Emmy Awards in the process... While he's serving as host of the long-running ABC series, America's Funniest Home Videos. And since 2005, he's hosted the wildly popular reality series, Dancing with the Stars. Is this going to he- be much longer? <laughs> this is it. He's coming into the home oh, stretch. Oh, good. You can, you <laughs> can go out and have the, dinner. The landing gear is down. <laughs> the introduction's <laughs> coming into the terminal. <laughs> It's written for speed, but not delivered that way. I don't give a fuck if the guest wants to speak or not. I have an introduction to do. And recently moderated a panel featuring Mel Brooks and former podcast guests Carl Reiner, Dick Van Dyke, and Norman Lear. Sure, those are all significant achievements. But what really impresses us here on this show is the fact that he interviewed both Mo Howard and Larry Fine when he was all of 16 years old. What, Curly Joe Dorita wouldn't take his gold? (laughs) Please welcome to the podcast an entertainment industry renaissance man and a man who once referred to yours truly as his favorite celebrity square, our pal Tom Bergeron. I can't wait to meet him. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds incredible. (laughs) Well, you've done a lot. It has to get packed in there. I know. I never thought I'd relive it in actual time. (laughs) 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 So you look oddly familiar. You do too. It's good to see you. I, I have to say that... The main impetus for me even showing up today, apart from knowing the introduction would be so glowing, um, (laughs) was because 
I had heard that you are now married and and you have kids. And I saw <laughs> I saw a documentary that uh, your alleged wife uh, <laughs> sent me in the link to an email. I've been corresponding with Dara repeatedly. The actress who portrays his the wife. The actress yes, who yes. portrayed, yeah. yeah. She's very good. Is, is this like Kevin James where they're recasting and Leah Rimini's going to be your wife in the next documentary? So, so I came here thinking this is a Gilbert Gottfried who I, I never experienced when we worked together in Hollywood Square. Is this happily married dad? You know, I, 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 so I thought this can't be real. And I get here and Dara's not here. So I, I have a lot of doubts. See, it, it's, <laughs> it's one just of just crap. It's all bullshit. <laughs> it's kind of like how Brad Garrett on his show. Yes. Recast his daughter a few times. Oh, is, he did that on yes. on the one that after everybody loves Raymond. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, till death. Till death. Yeah. Till like death. Roseanne did that with one of her daughters. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah she did. Yeah. 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 Becky. Yeah. The new Becky, who later wound up on Scrubs. The second one. The yeah. second up Becky. on Scrubs. Yeah. The second one. Right. Okay. Right. 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 So he was your favorite square, huh? He. I, I always Says in the book. The, it, it's true. Uh, in terms of just consistently breaking me up, you, you were the one. You were like the go-to guy for just guaranteed breaking me up. Um, you know, some of them would go a little off kilter and on side streets, and but Gilbert would always nail it. Would always nail it, and and never so good uh, good as that the classic "You Fool" show. Oh yeah, we had, that we talked on. about. And uh, where it. it where it just it was just you. Every other square had been picked, and the two contestants <laughs> kept picking you because you were the only one left. Oh, yeah, and and they kept messing it up, and you kept yelling, "You fool! <laughs> That's not a bad Gilbert, you think? Hey, bad. you fool!" <laughs> and then everybody said, "Penn and Teller started yelling it, and it kept going back and forth." And I was throwing the commercial saying, "The Gilbert Gottfried Show will be right back after this." <laughs> it was wonderful. It was just classic stuff. Th- those were fun times. They were fun. They were fun. Yeah. We would do, I don't know if people know, but we would do five of those in a day. We'd do three in the morning, and then we'd break for lunch. Spago would cater our lunch, and uh, then we'd do the other two. We were more sober than the original show, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they would get I, hammered. Uh, but we, I, we had Peter here. Yeah, yeah, Marshall. Did, did yeah. you talk about the drinking? Yeah, like Gilbert loves to ask that oh, question. Oh, yeah. About That's the lubricated, the yeah. Yeah. lubricated celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How, like. In the original shows, they were shit-faced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you watch, like, Match Game, and Gene Rayburn, even sober, looked a little creepy with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, with that yes. proctologist yes. microphone, yeah. you know. <laughs> that, <laughs> and then, you know, you get later in the week, and he'd be leering over the women contestants, you know. <laughs> just, just sort of like Trump with the Irish reporter the yeah, other day. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of drinking going on at the old drink, squares. But not on our version. Our version, right. we... we uh, we were pretty much stone cold sober. There were a few people um, that probably partook of stuff, but but uh, yeah, it was too early in the day. And, but I remember that we had a really nicely, uh, you know, uh, service lunch yeah, yeah. and breakfast and all those video games. And the- oh yes, I beat Vena and uh, Venus and Serena Williams back to back playing Hydro Thunder. <laughs> and that was wow. that was my That's impressive. They, yeah, they offered to try me at tennis. I said, no, I'm good with this. Hydro Thunder. I always remember leaving Hollywood Squares at the end of the shoot one day, and they had a driver to take me back to the hotel. And the day, you know, that day was going dragging on longer because of whatever the cameras or what lights or what. 
And and I was a little annoyed. And the driver says to me, how's your day? And I was just about to go, oh, it was shit. It was going. And then I go, wait, you came in, you had breakfast, <laughs> told three jokes, broke for lunch, told another three jokes. <laughs> and it's like, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck yeah, up. Seriously. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There are no welts on your hands from the, yeah, the heavy yeah. lifting. Yeah, I, I think my father had a harder work yeah, day. Definitely. Than this. Yeah, definitely. So you yeah. had an epiphany uh, because yeah, of this yeah. Hollywood Square. Yeah, moment. like like I think there are worse ways to make a living. Well, I called our mutual friend Dave Boone, Dave Boone, who yeah. was obviously the writer on yes. the, back then, and he said you guys would go to a, the bar in Century City, which you were talking about at outside. the Park Hyatt Hotel. Yeah, he said Gilbert would only order water and would get shut off before the rest of us. <laughs> 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 it was the weirdest thing. I think you're done, sir. He's drinking water. Yes. <laughs> Why did you only order water, Gil? I don't know. I, I know the answer. Uh, yeah. You know the answer? Oh, do tell. I, I, did, I think but, I do. But, well, because I wasn't paying for it. Yes. <laughs> but you know something? Am I wrong? I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't even drinking. Interesting. Yeah. Because you're hammered now. Yeah, yeah. Because well, well, now I'm on crystal meth. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, go you right by I, alcohol. Right, I remember from the bar, because yeah. they would put us both in the same hotel. Yes. Is one one night, uh, the two of us are hanging out in the bar, and there was some woman who was like a real showbiz type. Like she was either a producer or a booker or something. And we're talking to her, and and she kept saying to us, you know, like, when you have Arnold Schwarzenegger on this show, he brings funny. That's right. Robert De Niro doesn't bring funny. Tom Hanks brings funny. funny. Yes. Yeah. Al Pacino doesn't bring funny. Right, right. And I remember from then on. That was... The go-to phrase. Yes. That was the go-to phrase. It's like when they'd say, and Gilbert Gottfried to block, you would go. He brings funny. (laughs) Yes. Uh He would go, Gilbert Gottfried, the man who brings funny. (laughs) And I thought, no one else no, just watching us. this, oh, joke. but I would always laugh. And, and and with your alleged wife, whom I was corresponding with, <laughs> that was we. I was I was instructed to bring funny, and I even brought Lois. My wife is yes. here to meet Dara, and of course to see you again. And and you know. We must thank Lois too, because yes. it was it was backstage at the View we were down in down oh, that, in Orlando. That's right. Yeah, where Lois was, we started talking. We came about up with this. the idea of uh, of you coming on the show. Yeah. So we have yeah. to thank her for helping set this up. And and this is something I have to get to. I read that you took anger management. No course? meditation. Meditation. I took, I, I uh, because I had a temper. I just I still do. I mean, it's just it's it's sort of uh, it it's been meditated into submission. But yeah, I was I was uh as a matter of fact when when Lois and I were just dating um there was something that happened and I I, I would always like just hit sheet rock or you know, berate myself. I was never violent with anybody else, but I slammed my fist into the driver's side door about something that was irritating me. And Lois said, uh, you know, if we're going to have a relationship, that's got to stop. Ooh. So I took I started taking meditation uh, lessons, uh, TM meditation, which Howard does. Howard Stern oh, does, yeah. and Jerry Seinfeld, a number of people, and uh, Dan Harris, whom I spoke with this mm-hmm. morning, ABC News, and I've been meditating ever since. So you have a temper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. let's see. 
Go fuck yourself, Tom. <laughs> That's anatomically impossible. <laughs> See how calmly I dealt with that? That's years of meditating. That's... It's paying off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inside, I'm seething, but outside, I'm just grabbing some iced coffee. You can even meditate, according to the book, uh, Tom's book, and I'm hosting as fast as I can, right. which, which is a lot of fun. Which came out in 2009 and well, is probably in bargain book. We we try to bins. we try to cover all our bases yeah. research wise. You can even research backstage, surrounded by people. Oh, meditate! Yeah, I don't research. I'm backstage. sorry, I'm yeah. misspoke. Uh, uh, you can even yeah. do a meditation yeah, when they're yeah, surrounded by yeah. just chaos uh, and yeah. People think I'm just ignoring them, but in fact, I'm in deep Zen meditation. It's fascinating. Yeah. How do you do it quickly? Uh-huh. You have to do it quickly because you're in a crowd. But but just in terms of for like the live show I do, Dancing with the Stars, it's important to be listening, to be present, to be, you know, paying attention. When I was doing Hollywood Square, it should be days. I mean, it's inevitable where, you don't, you're just not feeling like bringing the funny. Or, and I would, what I would do is just enjoy you guys. And that would prime, the, instead of worrying about it, instead of thinking, oh, I don't, I don't feel that on today or I'm not into it today. Instead of worrying about that, I would just sit back and be a fan. And it, inevitably that would prime the pump. And within a show or two, I was fine. And you were talking about, like with all your experience as a talk show host, that you used to like to talk to the guest on Hollywood Square. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I had you you nine people in that tic-tac-toe board who were all fascinating and funny and entertaining. And so for the first few shows that we shot when, when we started taping the show back in, what was it, 98, right? Um, Michael King of the King Brothers, who were producing the show, uh, had to come up to me, I think at the lunch break, and say, it's going great, Tom, but you got to move it along a little quicker. I know you're into talking with everybody, but the contestants, they're, they want to win stuff. <laughs> and I was kind of ignoring them, you know. Can I pick a square? Yeah, yeah, I'll get to you. I got to talk to Garth Brooks for a second. <laughs> Did you get faked out by uh, by by uh, uh, yeah, a yeah somebody in, punked you in the, run, the show? In, later in the run of the show when the original producers had uh, left and Henry Winkler and Michael Levitt came mm-hmm. on board and Henry and Michael concocted a an April Fool's joke on me where the contestants were actually actors and they got increasingly belligerent with each other. And they started, you know, it was getting like the woman started crying and the guy was like being really snippy. And he was and, and Lois, who was there because we live in Connecticut and in now California, but then we'd fly out. And and so Henry got her back in the control room because she he thought she, she would tip me off mm-hmm. that it was a that it was a bit. And and I just kept going. And and Lois told me after that Henry turned to her and said, he's not going to stop. And she said, no, he knows it's good television. And it was true. As weird as it was, I mean, there were you can see it online. There are moments where I'm looking at my camera going, for this I gave up the audition to Card Sharks? <laughs> um, but it was great TV. I didn't know that they were actors. So I thought if we can get 22 minutes of this or whatever the run of the show was, we can air it. If, if I bail now, we'll never be – because I thought it was legit. 
And finally, uh, Henry's, you know, mm-hmm. comes over the intercom and Tom, you know, it's it's an April Fool's joke. But see, that shows something about you that drives me crazy with other people <laughs> yeah. on shows. Yeah. Sometimes something will go wrong or something will happen and they'll go, oh, we can't show that. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah. You definitely yeah. should show oh, it. Especially yeah. live television. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let that's, that's have what, fun with the fact that it's live. Right. Yeah, it right. brings the audience back. They go, that can happen here. The one, the wonderful uh, example of that uh, for me growing up was always Carson's monologue. Oh, yeah. That, that you know, Johnny Carson, it wasn't the jokes that worked. It was the jokes that bombed and how he rolled with that and how he played with the audience. He'd start and tap dancing. He'd start to tap dancing two. or he'd bring right. the microphone down and <laughs> right. tap it, right. you yeah. know, doing the, you know, right. uh, attention Kmart shoppers or whatever you would. But it was, that was the fun part. How do you roll with something? How do you live in the moment of right. it and, and, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, that kind of thing? Maybe the best example is Ed Ames in the Tomahawk. Oh, that's right, where right. he stops Ed Ames right. from going up to take it out because right. he wanted to let that moment breathe because right. that was just brilliant, brilliant comedy for it to land right where Perfect. it landed. Yeah. And I, I remember when I would do those those bits at the beginning of Leno with The Tonight Show. Yeah. It's like what I noticed was the bits they would enjoy – but when we would fuck up a line, they would just go hysterical. Right, right. Yeah, and I think, too, people will look at you and, and, and if if they know you're enjoying the fuck up and playing with – then they're going to go along for the ride, too. The moment – and to your point earlier, where you see somebody gets very tense if it doesn't go perfectly the way it's been formatted or whatever, that's no fun for an audience. You, you, you want to see them be real and have some flexibility and, and ability to, to adapt. Yeah, because like those bits with Jay Leno, sometimes we fuck up so badly we couldn't <laughs> go back to the bit. And then right. the audience really loved sure. it. Of course. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Did Jay Reddick have Paul Lynn stories from the old days? Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Because Jay, Jay, Jay worked on our version of the show from 98 to 2004 and had been with the original version, the classic version with – Peter Marshall and Paul Lind and and yeah he had uh, he I'll had bet. great stories. Jay Jay confirmed a story <laughs> that I heard years ago, and this was a guy who worked with him, yeah. so he knew. And that you know, <laughs> Paul if Tom Lind knows this one was very anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you got to see the look on Tom's face, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> It's not even not even a slight uncomfortable. It's like yeah. It's like it's like everybody knows that. And that Paul and the other guests would drink and they'd laugh and have fun and joke with each other. Paul Lynn would get really drunk and he'd get more and more bitter. Yeah. And he'd be there with the drink in his hand going, oh, those fucking Jews, <laughs> they're the reason I don't have a career. I hate those goddamn Jews. <laughs> yeah, that's when they were glad it wasn't a live show. <laughs> Great. <laughs> does, does does Tom know the other Paul Lynn story that that, that makes a regular appearance on this show? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> See if he knows this one. You I'm, must. I'm, I'm not sure. One time, Paul Lynn was was brought into. I think it was like the the gold the diggers, gold diggers dressing room. Uh huh. And <laughs> oh, jeez. And he said, "This place smells like cunt." 
I think. <laughs> okay. I would have bet a dollar you knew that. I one. did not know yeah. that yeah. one. It doesn't surprise me though. Yeah. It's all in the timing. Yeah. It's all in the timing. <laughs> and now we're gonna have a commercial, which in my day was when they would advertise a product. And they'd refer to it as a commercial. And they'd, they'd play it on the radio. Radios were like little boxes that sound came out of. Sound back then was something that traveled into your ear and you would hear it because you would hit your eardrums. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, after this. You need cooling. Baby, I'm not fooling. I'm going to send you back to schooling. To podcast school. You need Gilbert and Frank. Honey, you need them. They're going to give you their They're going to give you their love. 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 GGACP love. That sweet, funky love. GGACP love. Nice and hard. GGACP love. It's Gilbert and Frank love. And now back to the show. I saw a clip doing research of you guys uh, when you brought Squares to New York. I saw you guys together at the Stock Exchange. Do you remember doing this? No. You and Gilbert. We're, I was at the Stock Exchange? Yes, it's on YouTube. I, I, I remember when we were doing the New York one. Yeah. They Well, I think at one point they had me on a bus, one of those tour yeah, buses. Yeah, yeah. Narrating yeah. the thing. My around. God, I, I I have to see video of myself at the stock exchange. I have no memory you. of this oh, at all. And the Isn't top of the World Trade Center. Oh, is okay. that what it yeah, was? Yeah, yeah. That I might have been the top of the okay. World Trade Center. Yeah, maybe I'm yeah, wrong. I think that's yeah, that I remember vaguely. Yeah. Increasingly, I find that most of my memories are in the vaguely category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were reading that introduction, I was going. Oh, right, it did do that. <laughs> do, do you, I'm sure this happens to you all the time, you get a residual check oh. and go, what What the hell was this? Uh, the, the, the pile of residual checks I got one time from Hollywood Squares was like that Seinfeld episode where it's just, oh, it's, yeah. it's all of those, yeah. you know, 23 cents, yeah. 14 cents, it's just this pile of, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome waiting to happen. I, I'll sometimes go to my mailbox. It looks like there's a size of a brick right, of yeah. envelopes. You get there, very excited, checks, right? Yeah. And I'll go, boy, I can buy my own island. Yeah, yeah. And and I add them all up and put them together, and all the checks come to like a dollar twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah. you can't use the machine. No, oh, I, right. I get them too from cartoons. Yeah, I used to write. yeah. You got to go to the teller window because there's eight, eighty of them. I've gotten, and the machine will only takes something like 40. Well, the machine, the ATM machine actually laughs. Right. right. It actually, I've put those residual right. checks into an ATM and I I heard a voice go, are you kidding me? Seriously? Yeah. I'm not taking this shit. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah it, it's, I've gotten checks for a penny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
which had to be mailed to you in an envelope that cost what now forty cents or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, the glue on the stamp. Yeah, you should right. frame those, Gil. Yeah, you should yeah, just put I, a, put I a... have one framed. You do for a penny, and I have underneath it a fortune cookie, uh, <laughs> well, a fortune from a cookie that says. Your talents will be recognized <laughs> and suitably rewarded. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I still get residual checks, really small ones for the... Were you there when we shot the episode of The Nanny, Making Whoopi? And it was after a whole day of doing our show, and then we had to wait around while they shot with uh, oh, no. Fr- Fran Drescher and, mm-hmm. and whoever, Charles Shaughnessy again. Yeah. And uh, and it took almost as long for them to shoot their segment as it took us to do five shows and a bunch of people with clipboards and it was just it was like really this is really annoying. <laughs> and and one thing both Frank and I were excited about, you spoke to two of the three Stooges. That's right. Sure, it's in his intro. That's right. Yeah. yeah it, it must be true. It was in the intro. For those of you just joining I, us, I don't read the intro. Go back to the first five and a half minutes yes. of the show when I was being introduced. But t- tell us how that came about. I was 16 years old in my childhood home in Haverhill, Massachusetts. My parents were out for the night. My sister was at a sleepover at a friend's house. So I did what any kid left alone on a Saturday night when he's 16 years old would do, I decided to call the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm in Massachusetts. I knew Mo and Larry were still alive. I thought, well, what do you do? I, okay, I'll, I'll call information in Los Angeles. And the operator said, well, I've got several M. Howards, but only one Larry Fine. I said, I'll take that number, and she gives it to me. I call, and I'm pretty nervous, but I've got my little cassette tape recorder with the you know the little uh, microphone that suction cup thing that's in the receiver. Oh, sure. Um, and this woman answers, and she says she's Larry Fine's mother. I thought, well, this can't be right. She said, oh, no, no, I'm not the mother of that Larry Fine of the Three Stooges. We get these calls occasionally. I can give you the number, though, for where he is at the Motion Picture Home in Woodland Hills. Wow. So I call there. Switchboard guy answers, says, I'll get him. He goes, he comes back. He says, he's playing poker. Can you call back in half an hour? He has a good hand. So (laughs) I do. And Larry comes to the phone. Now, he had suffered a stroke, so there was a little bit of that. But it was still very distinctively him. And he was just charming. And I was this nervous 16-year-old fan. And about 10 minutes into the conversation, he says, you want Mo's number? (laughs) And he gives me Moe's home phone number. Fantastic. So after we said our goodbyes, and I promised, and I did call him back a number of times over the ensuing 18 months, but I call Moe's house. Moe's wife answers, puts Moe on the phone. Moe sounds exactly like <laughs> Moe, like right off a of soundstage. And he's, uh, who gave you this number? And I said, Larry did. And there was, a, as I remember it, this pause, and he just went, Larry. <laughs> Seems like that inferred lame brain. That's so great. In describing the comedy of the Three Stooges, would you classify it, if you could classify it, under slapstick, farce, or what? Now you've just hit the right spot now. Slapstick belongs to the circus. It was created there and belongs there. Where one clown will chase another with a pair of slapstick and a torpedo between and slap them on the, on the fanny and make a loud noise. That's, that's circus, clown stuff. We do pure farce. Now slap this, 
slapstick doesn't mean to get hit on the head for the board or a punch in the face or a hit in the face with a pie. That's not slapstick. So there's a great confusion then, because it, oh, sure, even Keystone okay. comedy would have been more farce than slapstick. That's correct. Right? Absolutely. Right. When you see those uh, cops in that uh, police patrol driving down and hanging on the rear end and all kinds of positions and flying off the thing, that's farce. Uh, about that. We had this long chat. I I taped uh, conversations. I was on Howard Stern's show back when the book came out. And Stern, as you know, is a big Stooges fan. And he encouraged me to look for these tapes. And I found a half hour with Mo, 20 minutes with uh, Larry on quarter-inch tape from back in 1971 and 72, and we turned it into a, a 90-minute special. That's yeah. Howard calling for there his residual checks Why you turn right now. That's they Larry come back Fine. to life. It's Larry they Fine are, from the yeah, beyond. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I had turned this. At least I don't know how to operate my own phone. <laughs> you did hear the part of the show yeah. where I said turn your yes, phone off. I did. All right, I I'm just did. making sure and that I, words are actually coming out of me. You're going to pretend that's from your wife, right? I had Who doesn't pressed, exist? I had pressed the button. And there was a little bell there with a line going yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Joyce so Boulafont playing yeah. Gilbert's wife. <laughs> That's right. There is actually no Gilbert's wife. <laughs> no. Go back to Mo. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we all put the phones on mute. Uh, uh, so, so I Mo was great, and in, in this uh, special that the Stern people put together called uh, "Stooges Lost and Found," which incorporates some of the sketches they've done over the years. Uh, on the Three Stooges as well, but the centerpiece of it is these interviews, and it's it's just great to have them uh, saved. You know, the the tape with the Larry interview as we were transferring it to digital was shredding right in front of us, so they didn't have much life left to them if if Howard hadn't encouraged. Yeah, you did me to it just in time. Them. Yeah, definitely. And what what gets me about that story? I've heard it with the Stooges and Laurel and Hardy, and all these people is. How much easier yeah. was to get in touch? Well, Chuck McCann was on with us, and he picked up the phone one day and called Stan Laurel. So did Dick Van Dyke. So did Dick That's Van how Dyke. he met Stan That's Laurel. right. Yeah. It's That's like right. calling guests on this show. We yeah. have a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're famous. Yeah. 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 Right. And it's like, but back then. I'm only here because Seacrest canceled. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't call Joe Dorita. Uh, you, you weren't, no, you weren't such no. a hardcore Stooge Joe, fan. Not so hard. <laughs> Joe Dorita, he just wasn't a good fit. <laughs> no. And Curly Joe, well, wait, Curly Joe, Joe Besser. I was just doing Joe, Joe Besser. Besser. Was, was Besser dead Joe. by then? No, was he, no, was he, he wasn't. But Joe Besser was the not so hard. Right. He didn't like to be hit. And, of course, that was their whole thing. The, right. You know, and, and that was his way of not getting hit. Uh, and then he, they had to, I guess, the, the end of their contract with who was it? They had the contract with oh, was it 20th Century Fox, Columbia, Screen I think. Jack, Columbia. Yeah. You're right. And and then when they were doing the 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 full length pictures, then they got went to Curly Joe Dorita, who I think was under contract elsewhere at the time. And then there was a lawsuit over who would get all the money from the oh, studio. Yeah. And it went to Curly Joe Dorita. What? He was like, how'd that happen? The the extras in those movies deserve oh, money, yeah, more than that's Kirk. a that's an yeah. injustice. Sir. I mean, he seems like he was a very nice but guy, he, but, they, but he, really, it was just his physical similarity to the original yeah, Curly. He was like, fat and bald. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. That, that was it. 
<laughs> that was it. You could have gone walking down the street, found any fat, oh, bald guy. Shave Trump, and he could have yeah, done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was at Joe Dorita's wake, but that's a story for another show. Oh, really? I was. Oh, yeah. yeah? It was sad. It was it's, well, it's and a not, lake. and not well attended. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, not even two other guys, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there, about, there are about twelve people. Yeah, ten people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he was the, the last of 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 the Stooges to die, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. 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 Joe yeah. Dorita. Late in uh, mid nineties, I want to say that Larry was. Larry died, and then about six months later, uh, Mo died. Right. Yeah. And and you never called Emil Zitka. <laughs> Emil Zitka. Oh, I met. Yeah. yeah. E- Emil Zitka, by the way. At one point, was going to be the third Stooge. Yes. Yeah. When I think that was after, I don't know where that came in the timeline. Whether that was after Joe Dorita. It was after Joe Dorita, and uh, Larry. They were considering bringing him back, but he was in a wheelchair. Oh, so and... he was going to replace Larry. Yeah. So Mo would be the only original guy left, and uh, he'd have yeah. Joe Dorita and Emil Sitka. Slapping yeah. a guy in a wheelchair just doesn't, no. doesn't play. No. And some, <laughs> that's not yeah. some filmmaker who was the f- partner of the guy who did uh, Frankenstein versus Dracula, which was the last of the Lon Chaney Jr., J. Carroll Nash movies. Wow. And it was uh, scary for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, like the current mummy. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was going to make a new Three Stooges movie where it's written into the script that Larry is uh, gets released from his, the actor's home. Yeah. And then they even <laughs> no. have one scene where he's like either at a whorehouse <laughs> And he's chasing <laughs> the girls around, which I'm sure they would have used fast motion. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, thank Jesus, this was never actually made. I think Mo died before this got a yeah, chance to be yeah. made. Uh, I have a, a, t- a VHS tape of Kook's tour. Now, Kook's tour was the last project that they were working on. And Larry had his stroke in the midst of it, so it's 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 incomplete. But it's it's fascinating to watch them. You know, there are some comic types that just don't age well. No, Buster Keaton did. I mean, but he had the right voice. I yeah. mean, his career wasn't that great, but his voice matched his character. Laurel and Hardy, same thing. Yeah. That when sound came, they sounded like you would expect Laurel and Hardy to sound yeah. like. Chaplin didn't. Chaplin had this sort of upper crust British accent, and it didn't work with with the Tramp. And the Tramp was a young character too, who didn't really age that well. But uh, but the Stooges, up to a point, did. But yeah, once once you're in wheelchairs and stuff, chasing hookers, then it's time to re- <laughs> it's time to rethink your career choices. That's that's the hooker talking. That's pretty good. <laughs> with comics like that. It's like after a while you're watching and going, oh, these these old men are hitting each other. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it was like watching Bob Hope in the last few specials. Oh, my oh I'm so glad so, you said that. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, did that was you tough. See, we go there often. Do you? Yeah. Did, did you see especially, and if you haven't, you owe it to yourself. <laughs> it was, I think, Bob Hope's last Christmas special. Oh, I don't know. And he's dressed up. He's doing the uh, song and dance thing. Well, not dancing. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. got. Uh, he's held. He's nailed to a wall. 
to hold him up. And, and Dolores oh. is doing most of the singing. Oh, gosh. And a bunch of kids dancing yeah. around him. And he's dressed as Jack Frost. And it looks like he died 10 <laughs> gonna, years before. We're gonna ch- we just changed your life, Tom. You've got to see this video. See and yeah. they glued on like a little beard oh. and a pointed hat and a... It looks like you you took a corpse and dressed it in funny clothes. Had his eyes gotten that yeah. weird that red in the yes. red thing? Oh. Yeah, with, it looked like it he poured red nail polish into his <laughs> yeah, eyes. Yeah, that's right. And, and and the very most he could do, like she would sing, "It's Jack Frost," <laughs> and and then the camera would be a separate shot on him and go. That's me. <laughs> yeah. There's also cheap special effects where he oh. keeps reappearing. Oh, yes. He yes. disappears and, where, rea- and where reappears. It was like an hour for them He's to magical. carry him from one side of the room <laughs> oh. to the other. Well, I heard just stories about how big the cue cards were oh. towards oh, yes. the end. And, well, the, and the piece was in his and ear. The, the ear piece. They were feeding and him it lunch was just, at the end. It was, it was sad. The last thing I ever saw him on. It may have been the last thing he ever done on camera was like a Walmart commercial or something that he was yes. sitting in a in a yes. like in a yes. diner and they made him. So you talk about moving fast. They made him move really fast to go out to a, a sale or something. What I remember about that <laughs> yeah. is he's sitting in a diner and he's wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah. So we know the guy running out of the diner, even though it's speeded up, was not him. <laughs> and because you say, well, when do we ever see Bob Hope in right. a hat? Yeah, that's true. So he was wearing this big wide brimmed hat and they say there's a sale going on and blah, 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 blah. And then he runs out. Yeah. And you go, OK, this is someone else doing the running. And plus, they speeded it yeah, up anyway. Yeah, yeah. Did you work with him? If you ever never, you ever I never Bob? met no. Bob Hope. No, no, interesting. No, it was you know I, I used to love it when like on the old Carson Tonight Show he there's the classic one where he's on it and George Goebbels on it. Oh, and, and Dino's on and that. And Dino's one. on yeah, it, and yeah. they're flicking the the the, the ashes right. into George Goebbels' drink, and Goebbels supposedly doesn't he's not aware, but he's definitely holding it. Oh, so yes. it's working. Yes. You know, <laughs> and the gag's working. <laughs> But you know, I remember. I just remember as a kid loving the star power of of the old Tonight Show when when Hope would come out, sure. and, and then Hope would always have some place to go. Right? Yes. He could never stay for the whole I, hour I'm, and a half. I'm shooting a special yeah. down the hall. He also right. would come out without an intro. He right. just they just, just suddenly walk out, yeah, walk out, walk with, out. The, with the golf club in his hand. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't think Johnny. Uh, from what I understand, I don't think Johnny was was all that thrilled with that after a while. There, With, probably, yeah. That's, probably, that's, I, I remember too the the uh, wonderful uh, Tonight Show episode where Robin Williams was on with Bob Hope, and Robin Williams in in uh, Good Morning Vietnam had made Bob Hope jokes that that uh, Bob. Oh, he needs Hope, a big room. He needs a big room. Right. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't play. Right. What was it? Uh, he doesn't play uh, military actions. Ma- military actions. Right. He only plays full scale wars. <laughs> that's right. And Hope was pissed, and and so Robin Williams, I think. Came out after Hope, and Hope moved down the couch, but was really just very icy, kind of like Jack Frost towards the end. <laughs> That's a callback, boys and girls. <laughs> and I heard Bob Hope also didn't like the idea of moving down the couch. Probably for not. Another guest. Probably not. Yeah. And but I when I remember when I saw that Jack Frost thing and Dolores is there and he's there oh, and geez. he sh- they should have let him die years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought 
This is Dolores' revenge for oh. all the fucking around. Uh, yeah, all the USO tours. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Marilyn Maxwell. <laughs> yeah. We're going to send this clip to you. Oh, and, please and Dave, do. You'll, it'll, you'll, have, you'll have, both uh, eat it up. Have Dara, uh, the... Sure. Yeah, whoever she really is. <laughs> yeah. Send it to yeah. me. Gilbert's wife. Gilbert's that's wife. That's what you call yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're trying to get our hands on those those late Bob Hope specials, and, and they're hard to find. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, is that right? Even if you find these internet sales where some where some collector has all the Bob Hope specials, yeah. the '90s ones are hard to find, and I wonder if the estate has taken them Maybe. out of circulation. I just remember being, a little embarrassing. being amazed at how quickly he got old. It just seemed yeah. like he went from being really, you know, fairly competent to suddenly ancient. Yeah. What fascinates me with Bob Hope is how he went from being that like. Like leaping around, eye rolling guy in the in the like, road movies, yeah, yeah, kind of effeminate acting, yeah, yeah. and then even in the later road movies, he became that Bob Hope. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the last I, I've got this great book, uh, and it's interviews with all these old Hollywood stars, and Dorothy Lamore is interviewed. Oh, and she talks about the the latter. The experience of the road pictures, but the latter road pictures when they were in their sure. late fifties, and Martin and Lewis were coming up. You know, they were the hot comedy team, and Hope and Crosby were kind. As she said, they were competing against their younger selves, who those movies were on television all the time, and so uh, the, uh, like the Road to Hong Kong, I think was the last one they did. I yeah, I yeah. think Sounds it right. was that one where he already had yeah he had that yeah on. yeah yeah. And and in cross and they it just didn't work anymore, um, but you know when they were good, sure it was amazing. Well, we've talked about that. We talked about you said recently you were talking about how Chico and Harpo didn't age well no. on screen either. No, no. Yeah. Groucho was it's able hard to be a physical comedian too because yeah. Harpo was running across right. rooftops in his sixties and it was it, just yeah. sad. Yeah, Groucho was there talking, so he, it didn't matter. Groucho him. adapted, got rid yeah, of the grease did. paint, right, and he, and he just his own mustache and. And well, with you bet your life for the times. too. Yeah, he was able to just acerbic ages better. I think. I just yeah. think that that kind of comedic personality a good ages ages better than you know that sort of youthful Harpo Chaplin, the the pirouetting like nymph. Harpo's in that outfit when he was old. Yeah, he was looking like a homeless. Man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was like Harpo, keep the spoons. You might need them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get some soup. Eat something. <laughs> well, you bring up Jerry. You brought up Gene, Dean yeah. and Jerry, and you did host. You did. The, did you co-host? I it? did the, 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 the muscular dystrophy telethon. Yeah, and uh, for a number of years, and and really, the the reason I first did it was to meet Jerry Lewis. I mean, I, I, I obviously they do great work, yada yada, but I still just wanted to meet Jerry Lewis. And what I would do for the few years I did it was because he wasn't doing the whole thing anymore. Right, sure. He would take a break for about eight hours at midnight Vegas time until eight in the morning. So I would do the overnight shift. And I worked with the Muppets on that, too. And and it was always great because the craziest acts would be booked for like three in the morning in Vegas. And there was one there was one Bob the Spoon. (laughs) Bob the Spoon would play Flight of the Bumblebee on spoons of different sizes. <laughs> and so he does his act. And, you know, the people there, they've got a spattering of people there at three in the morning in the, in the hotel in Vegas. And 
And uh, they come to me on live TV, and I said, I figured it's 3 in the morning, what the fuck. So I said, so I'm looking at Bob the Spoon, and I'm thinking, what the fork was that? And then I said, let's go to the tote board. Let's just, is your phone ringing again? It's, it's what buzzing. Is going? It's buzzing. I turned the ringer off, <laughs> and now on. it's buzzing. We might have to just shoot the damn thing. This is a runner. This, this is a phone. <laughs> this is a phone that can do, like, 12 billion different things. Except and shut I up. don't know how to turn off the ringer or the buzzer. I can right. barely make a call on it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like if, if the story, I'm getting a sense, if my yeah. stories go on too long, your phone That's reacts. It. It's it. kind of like those speeches at the Academy right. Awards. They start to, you're the, the orchestra off. play. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you must have been, you're such a fan of old show business and, old, and classic comedy. You must have loved the old telethons. And we've, oh, to, we've those talked the about best. them and how you'd get you'd get these cheese ball Vegas acts at three, four o'clock you in the would. morning. And and the classic mo and and of course Jerry Lewis was something about Jerry Lewis, even when he'd fill in for Carson and everything, he was so full of himself. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. He just yes. so yes. wonderfully yes. The un- Jerry. so wonderfully full of himself because he was so desperate to be Dean Martin. Yes. I think. You know, I think he couldn't see, you know, that's why Buddy Love happened, right? Oh, in the yeah. movie. That was his sort of you know, F you to Dean Martin, I think. But but it was still, even if you you think these people are a little crazy, they've got such a body of work and a, a place in the business that how could you not want to meet them and and you know chat with them? I I picked Ed McMahon's brain for hours over oh, you dinner did? about Carson because yeah. I worked with Ed on the on the telethon as well. I never met Carson. Jerry Lewis, I think, always wanted to be respected. Yeah. As like an intellectual. Right. And it's like, you, you always felt, I always felt like, no, people love you when you're goofy and funny. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's why people yeah. are in love with yeah. you. You're goofy and funny. But he could be good. King of comedy. I mean, he could be good oh, in he dramatic was great. roles. Yeah, we love King that. of comedy is wonderful. Sure. People don't know that, he, you know, the whole idea of an instant playback, a director shooting a, a, yeah. a, a scene and then being able to look at it right away. Video playback—that was his invention, absolutely. And and you know, so the guy he knew his stuff. He knows his. I mean, he's and, he's still with us. <laughs> at least I, last I checked, <laughs> he won't listen I, to this. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I I met him a couple of times, yeah. Lewis, and I can use that classic line. Well, he was always nice to me. Yeah, yeah, same here. But um. So did you see any of the other thing backstage? I didn't. I didn't. In fact, I actually I had the almost the reverse kind of situation happen where I felt like the MDA people towards the end and Jerry could go a little off script towards the end, <laughs> I'm sure, you know. And I think it it created some anxiety amongst some of the MDA hierarchy, but I didn't feel like they treated him well towards no. the end. And that led to me deciding not to work anymore with them because I just felt like, you know, if you treat Jerry Lewis like this, you know, the laser scope is going to be on anybody's forehead. Good for you. I, yeah. I remember I thought that, that when I found out he wasn't going to be the host anymore, yeah. it's like, it's, you know, all these years, no one ever said, hey, I'm going to watch the muscular dystrophy. No, you say, it, I'm watching the Jerry Lewis telethon. Exactly right. And then everybody would tune it in to yeah. watch Jerry Lewis. Yeah. 
And then when they tried to continue it without it was, him, it just it, it was, was meaningless. No, of course it was. Yeah, it, it was. It, and they did like this sort of star chamber meeting where they it, that I found out about because I had moles inside. Oh, <laughs> did you? And uh, they said this person contacted me and said, I, "I just want you to know that they had this meeting and they were showing clips that they weren't, you know, things that they were concerned about Jerry doing." And I said, "Was Jerry in the meeting?" No. I said, "That's not cool." That's not cool. I mean, this guy built. He of built course. this. Of course, you, you can't guys. take that away can't from him. Yeah, and and so that I just saw. But it, you know, it just underscored that uh, have fun while you can because it's ultimately whether it's a charity or anything, it's a business. And uh, you know, if if they can muck around with Jerry Lewis, none of us are yeah. safe, Gilbert. Yes. None of us are safe. <laughs> no matter how long our introductions are. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a wild card, Tom, from mm-hmm. the book. This intrigued me. Uh, you're talking about, I think this is when you were doing People Are Talking. Yes. Uh, you said the, the nobody had uh, filthier mouths in show business than the Lawrence Welk The singers. Lawrence Welk, yeah. The Lawrence Welk <laughs> gang. I also knew Gilbert would enjoy this. We had we had the cast of the Lawrence Welk show on uh, my Boston talk show, People Are Talking, uh, a few times. And I love these people. They were... As raunchy as you could imagine, and they were just, you know, they had been working together for a few decades, you know. Thank you, thank you, friends. Um, and and it was just great. They, yeah, they were just they swore like truck drivers. I and love that. Were fun loving folk. They were. I'm I'm sure too, because of all those years of doing Lawrence Well. <laughs> yeah. They had to like do a total reversal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You could almost see them as the bubble machine was warming up. They're knocking back shots of tequila. <laughs> thank you, thank you, friends. By the way, this is happening in real time. There, there, there she is. She exists. Sarah! She's real. Tom She's seeing... real. Just, wait a minute. Uh, she looks just like in the documentary. So, <laughs> But, you know, they say the moon landing was fake, too. So... Are you... <laughs> Oh, and she gave a loving hug. Isn't that sweet? Realistic. Hi, hi. Nice to meet you too. I want to question more. Don't just run away. There's two of them. There's, There's like the, yeah, the Lander are, sisters. Yeah, it's like the they old, fill in. It's the old Patty Duke show. We have twin Dareth. And now you're the only person who can answer this question. Yes. And I know you've been keeping your mouth shut. Uh-oh. What happened to Richard Simmons? Oh, I I honestly don't know. Do you remember? Uh, I, I, when Richard Simmons was on Hollywood Squares, and prior to that, when he did a show on FX that I did. I remember him on with you and Breakfast Time. And Richard was apt to get a little crazy, and I had a spray bottle, like how you would train a cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and one of his DVDs was called Disco Sweat, so I had it labeled Disco Sweat. And when he would get out of hand, I would spray him with the bottle, yeah. and he would you know, calm down and pretend to be upset and all that. But I don't know. What he just kind of disappeared, and it's all very know. weird. For and... a while, they were saying like his his housekeeper was holding him hostage. Yeah. There was a whole podcast about it. Well, we, that's did, we did ads for it I on the show. Yes. <laughs> Richard Simmons. Well, and the what thing, happened to Richard Simmons? And the show. thing, if you ever saw, you know, people who remember Richard, he he a fitness guy, but he would always have the tank top and no discernible muscle tone. No. So you know, I mean, so yeah, a housekeeper, uh, a hefty housekeeper could. <laughs> Have kept him prisoner, <laughs> and he, he always looked like he was overweight anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he was. Uh, I, I hope he's well, but he was. He was always an entertaining, if somewhat unpredictable, 
person yeah, to have I, on the show. I liked when he yeah, was on the too. show. It was funny. It yeah. made yeah. no sense no. what he would come out no. with. No. At no. least you only sprayed him with a water bottle. Letterman hit him with that fire extinguisher. Oh, is that right? Yeah, on, no, on I never late went night that show. far. Yeah. We didn't have that kind of budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah. Since you brought up Breakfast Time, yes. and you, brought, you brought up FX, and there's great stories about it in the yeah. uh, in the book. Do you stay in touch with... Uh, because I worked there at the same time. I, I worked for Jeff. Absolutely. For As a matter of fact, I just sent to Al Rosenberg. Who oh, was how's he doing? Bob, Bob the, the Puppet. puppet. They, nice guy. They, and very funny. Yes. And and did uh, Al Rosenberg, who wrote for Stern and Don Imus, yep. is a, a fairly big guy who became the Greek chorus on this show, which was based on the Big Breakfast in England. And he was our puppet. And he was just, he was amazing. And they just did a sizzle reel for a... A, uh, like a web series or something with Bob the Puppet named a different character. But oh, I, interesting. Uh, yeah, so I just I shot off a, a snarky intro that they might use for that. He was funny. So we're still in touch. You, you were never on one of those shows? You were never on the bre- Breakfast Time with I the Puppet? I'm trying to remember you would remember the Puppet there. It I, was, I it, mean, I remember watching this show. It was in, we did it in the Flatiron District, uh, right yep. down the street from where we are now. And it was in a loft apartment, 6,500 sure. square feet, built for television. And just for me, as much fun as I've had in all these other shows and as successful as like dancing has been and durable as AFE was for me and still is, um, that was my my most fun. It was a little like time. the old Letterman show where you could kind of do you anything. Could do, I could do anything. You and did. And you did everything yeah, and everything. It was great. It was great. But I don't know if we, I don't remember if you did yeah, that or not. I don't either. But I don't remember being on top of the yeah. World Trade Center for Hollywood Square. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> I hope I got this right. I, I glanced at it. It looked like the stock exchange. It may have been and the Trade Center. We were, we were talking before we got on the air, and it has to do with another actor I think we've mentioned once or twice on the show. And that's when you dressed up as the Joker. <laughs> oh, well, oh, here's Boone the thing. said you in must the... ask him about right. dressing up as a Joker. <laughs> here, so here we go. I dressed up as the Joker, the Penguin, and the Riddler. Yes, that's right. He now, said it. in the early days of FX, when the Breakfast Time show was the morning show, FX didn't do all the incredible original stuff no. they do now. They had Batman reruns, the Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman show. And Adam West was on with us, you know, God bless him. And, and back chat too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just was wonderful. But I, as a promotional thing, they said, Tom, would you dress up as each of the villains and we'll do these promos for Batman? I said, all right. So w- w- I did the Riddler. And, and I had been running a lot by then too. I was like running seven, 10 miles a day. So I was really lean and mean and I could do, I could really. Oh, you yeah, because he wore that elastic. Yeah, yeah, that, That's that, right. That, yeah. Frank Gorshin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure yeah, did. There, no hiding sins there. No, no. <laughs> so I was good for that. The Penguin thing, they had a fat suit for me and did it up. But for Cesar Romero's Joker, I said, they were going to just put the white face on me and do the hair. I said, no, I need a mustache first. I said, what? I said, Cesar Romero never shaved his mustache when he was the Joker, so I want a mustache, and then you can put makeup over that. Because I wanted to be that accurate. I was a method joker. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the air. Yes. <laughs> I've done a few of them, so my memory. I'm going to focus on Tom's reaction to this story. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what's coming. Yeah. Apparently. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's the greatest hit. Uh, well, Cesar Romero in yeah. his early leading man days. Right. Was, uh, you know, was a Latin lover. Sure. And, but in real life, uh, he was a homosexual. Okay. And not that there's anything wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> 
And and what he was into is he would gather up these young boy toys <laughs> and they'd surround him and Cesar Romero would pull down his pants and underwear yeah. and he'd bend over and these boy toys would then <laughs> fling orange wedges at his ass. They fling really? orange wedges to hit Cesar Romero's <laughs> naked ass. Now there are some variations. Some say it was. Isn't tang- there an easier way to get your vitamin C? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, take a supplement. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Some say that it was tangerine wedges. Oh, That's yeah. the only argument yeah. they get. Oh, you forgot the warm water. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, yes. Another yeah. one I heard fairly recently, uh-huh. like about two years ago or so. Yeah. Was that he would stand ankle deep in warm water as they were throwing either tangerine or orange wedges at his ass? Yeah, no kidding. That's it. wow. And and w- were there points awarded for accuracy? Or <laughs> was, you know, oh, <laughs> uh, Reggie. <laughs> Now, we have had on this show several people who have worked with Cesar Romero. Oh, we, right? we had Julie Newmar. We uh-huh. had Lee Merriweather. Could they we, validate any of that? None of them. Oh, all right. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they stared kind of like you did. <laughs> well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get that. Now I feel like I overthought the mustache <laughs> yeah. thing. I right. You thought you were method. Lot, I, you know, I thought I was method. I could have gone in a lot of different directions. I'm, I'm hoping you worked with Danny Thomas. <laughs> Never. Uh, no, because uh, I had Danny Thomas. Oh, we don't have time for that. Yeah. I, did, I did do, on that Breakfast Time show, a spit take as an homage to him with Marlo Thomas. Yeah. Oh, that's so we fun. Did, we did a, because he kind of invented the spit take or popularized it. So uh, we did a spit take in honor you of You also her. got to interview Sid Caesar and Imogene yes, Coco back yeah. in the day. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did. I When I was doing the People Are Talking show in Boston, uh, they were doing a touring show, and they were at one of the theaters in Boston. They did my talk show, and then they came right over to the radio studio because I was doing a radio show right after that. So I got to spend time with them. And uh, at at one of the TV Land Awards, I got to sit with Sid, and it just, yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. I, I We had heard on this show and at other places that Sid Caesar was one of those people, I think like Peter Sellers, that when they weren't in character, they they didn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's I've heard that too. And and Peter Sellers, that whole uh, Chauncey Gardner. Yeah. The, in the in the film that he did, oh, he, won, did he win an Oscar. For no, that? he lost to Dustin Hoffman. Okay. For Kramer versus but, and Kramer. And he had passed away by the time of the, or he was deathly ill. I think I by the time of the that, Oscars. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right because it was next to last picture. Right. And and uh, I and just watching, but they said that that's what he was like. That sort of because Chauncey's character, there was almost nothing there, and he was like human tofu. He would absorb whatever was around him and ape it back, and mm-hmm. people took it for wisdom. But yeah, Sid Caesar was apparently like that too. When he wasn't doing a character, there was just sort of this, this sort of weird nothing. Well, Reiner told us a story. Was it was it Reiner where he was getting an award and he, oh, and yes. he, was, he was tongue-tied and somebody yelled yeah, I, Mel or somebody some, yelled. Some say it was Mel Brooks, like yeah. that Sid Caesar was making a speech and he was stumbling over it and forgetting what he was talking about and really uncomfortable yeah. speaking yeah. in front of an audience. So I think Mel Brooks yelled out, say it in German. 
and he went into this mock German and he just woke up on stage. His eyes are rolling on, he's yeah. screaming like a Nazi, um, waving his hands. And and he said he came to life totally. Mel Brooks, the other night I was, I was moderating a panel discussion after the screening of the HBO documentary, If You're Not in the Obit, Have Breakfast. And it features all these people like Carl and Mel Brooks and, and, uh, and Norman. Norman Lear yeah. and just Dick Van Dyke. So they were on the... I I was interviewing them. And for no apparent reason, Mel Brooks gets up and does a Bill Cullen impression. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the most hilarious and awkward thing. And so amazing that he would tell the story. He had been a guest on a panel show that Bill Cullen was hosting. And you you know who Bill Cullen was. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, Bill Cullen was standing behind a podium. And at the end of the taping, he oh. came out to greet Mel Brooks and thank him. And Mel and Bill Cullen had had polio as a child. <laughs> so when he came walking towards Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks thought he was kidding and aped the polio walk towards Bill Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, Cullen said, oh, well, yeah, I had polio. And, and, uh, and Mel Brooks said he, he was absolutely aghast until Cullen said, no one's had the balls to do that. <laughs> and I heard Mel Brooks in an interview say when Cullen was walking toward him, yeah. he thought, oh, and I, I thought he was imitating Jerry Lewis. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to actually see him do it on stage. And and Dick Van Dyke was sitting next to me, and, and Dick Van Dyke's looking at me like, can we leave now? <laughs> He's down to the Bill Cullen yeah, material. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was funny. He's doing Vegas, uh, Mel Brooks. No, He's do, doing I, some short I, residency I in Vegas. I he, he just, you know, he'll tell that Bill Cullen story. Oh, I hope he does. Yeah, I hope yeah. he does because it is. It, and it was kind of self-effacing of him to tell it too, because it doesn't necessarily show him in the most flattering light. <laughs> <laughs> but but as polio walks go, he's got his down. <laughs> I gotta o- say, what an honor to be asked to do that, and yeah. with so many of your oh, heroes. It was such a treat! It was such a treat, and it really came from George Shapiro, uh, who manages Carl, Carl's nephew. Sure, uh, he called me and, and said, "We're going to do the screening, and we'd like you to moderate the panel discussion." I said, "Geez, okay." And then, and Mel gets up at one point, and goes, "Tom, no offense, but you're superfluous." We're all- <laughs> We're all self-starters here. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I I can't really argue with that. I mean, it's really the one of these things is not like the other on this stage right now. We got to get George on this show, George Shapiro. Oh, he's wonderful. He's natural for us. He's wonderful. We got to get him in here. He's great. Because you're a Van Dyke guy from way back. Yeah. You're a Dick Van Dyke show guy. Absolutely. Well, you're a fan of all the physical comedians. Yeah, yeah. And Van Dyke was, you know, for me growing up, Loving as I did Chaplin, Keaton, Harold Lloyd, Langdon, all these Laurel and Hardy, uh, the Stooges. Yeah. Um, but Dick Van Dyke was like the the modern version of, and especially when he would do his Stan Laurel. Oh, sure. On the Van Dyke show, but it was just great. And I I actually got to on the Breakfast Time show. Mary Tyler Moore was on, and I got to do the tumble over an ottoman to the Dick Van Dyke show theme and have her critique it. Which was really cool. We oh, had, that is very cool. We had uh, had bop, 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 and I did the boom, and I said, what would you think? I thought I had nailed it, and she said, no, you telegraphed it. You looked like you knew you were going to hit it. And <laughs> I said, all right, that's fair. Yeah, I got I got dissed by Mary Tyler Moore wow. for my pratfall, but uh, it was cool. 
She was she was a trip. She loved that apartment that we did the show in. So uh, again, like the old Letterman show, we could do whatever we yeah, want. So I yeah. said to her, I said, "Well, Mary, since you're Mary Tyler Moore, if I give you sixty seconds on the clock, whatever you can carry, you can keep." Oh, that's great! And she went around the apartment taking shoes out of the closet, <laughs> took a, a painting off the wall, and she was like holding all this stuff as she got into her limo. We had a camera outside the studio, and she's going, "I love this show!" <laughs> and the producer wasn't thrilled because a lot of that stuff, you know, they had purchased specifically. Uh, you for guys them. did so much. Was it breakfast? Was it after breakfast? The one where you decided to jump into the giant glass of orange yeah, juice? Yeah, because I was so pissed at the producers. Yeah, I right. was so angry. At the the where the show had gone when we went to network that it, it, they were they had fired Laurie Hibbert, Hibbert my yeah. co-host they had fired Al as the puppet and and it was becoming this bland daytime show so we had a doctor on a pediatrician to talk about the importance of vitamin C and little <laughs> I wish I had known the Caesar Romero story then <laughs> there you go you drop your pants back. you get some boy toys and just spread the cheeks and hope hope for rain. <laughs> But there was this there was this six foot glass of Tropicana orange juice out on Fifth Avenue, this massive thing, and this uh, this pediatrician talking about the importance of vitamin C, and I just was so angry at how the show had devolved from what it was on cable that I was looking at the vitamin C, and I said, and Gregory Harrison, the actor, was out, oh sure uh, from Trapper uh, John, from Trapper John, yeah. was out there. And and I I I said you know what doctor I got to be honest with you I haven't heard a word you said all I want to do is jump in that orange juice because that would have been something I would have done in a second on the breakfast time show and the producer who I was having issues with I could hear her in my IFB don't you and I just pulled it out on on camera Gregory Harrison gave me uh, uh, ten fingers up and I've got pictures of that in the book yeah me just it's in the book just going into this massive glass of orange juice absolutely dropping into it it pours out all over the sidewalk on fifth avenue and i was exfoliated to within an inch of my life i mean all that and it was it was liberating because it was like it was the ultimate f you to fox you were breaking breaking <laughs> yeah. free yeah 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 but it was uh, it was great tv it was great tv Maybe the longest first thousand dollar game we've ever had. Valerie going for a five square win here. Where are you going? Gilbert Gottfried wow, for the win. What a surprise. Okay. <laughs> Gilbert, in a, in a poll, 94% of Hungarians compared to only 46% of Americans said doing this was necessary to feel fulfilled. Doing what? Seeing Wayne Newton live. <laughs> <laughs> Um, having a child. I disagree. You fool! <laughs> having, having a child is correct, David. Oh, my goodness. David, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. You're so popular. All right, Gilbert. We love it. Here we go. When she, this happened first season, too, didn't it? When she heard that Phileas Fogg had done it in 80 days, journalist Nellie Bly beat him by doing it in 72 days. What did she do? Get through to the cable company. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know this. Trust me. Trust me. Uh, This is rowing the Atlantic. I'm going to agree. You (laughs) fool! She went around the world. In 72 days. 
If you're just tuning in, welcome to the Gilbert Gottfried Show. Gilbert Gottfried. It's, uh, it's French designer named it the atom because of its small size and the explosive effect a woman would have when she wore it. Today, it's better known as... It's in my pants! <laughs> but your thumb's covering it. Yeah. It's covering it right now! <laughs> the tube top! I agree! You fool! <laughs> Let's see here. I'm going to ask you as we. Uh... Oh, is this the speed round coming up? Oh, no. yes. Yeah. <laughs> we do a thing now, called Grill the Guests, so I, I just want to get I to a question. But we'll wait for Gil's question. At, at one point, one of the ideas they had for Hollywood Squares uh-huh. was to do a grill round with the contestants. Yeah. And one of the celebrities would stand them with them, supposedly helping out. They right. never did. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of those things where you go. Mm. They did about, yeah. and that's it was towards the end of the run. I think they they did about four or five variations on that end game, and that was one of them. And and it wasn't the yeah, it wasn't because they were trying to move it so fast that it was. I think they wanted it to work more like you know who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah, that yeah, kind of exactly because that was really big at that point. The primetime version of that. Yeah. Uh, Here's the question from our uh, our listener, Mitch Miller. <laughs> Oh, Mitch Miller. <laughs> I hope it's not Mitch Miller. What uh, question for Tom? What was going through your mind when Gilbert was doing his infamous "you fool" outburst? That this was just the best. I mean, you, it it was sort of like that that April Fool's joke when you know you're in the midst of something that is really working, even if in the case of the April Fool thing, right. it seemed like it was just craziness. In the case of that, it was just magical because they kept missing it one after another, one after another. And you were the only one. And everybody else was starting to play and yell, you <laughs> fool. And it just built to this wonderful comic crescendo that you can't, you can't plan for that kind of stuff. It goes back to what we said at the outset. You know, some people might have stopped, and but we all knew this was gold. This was just absolutely gold. And no better person to have it happen with than you <laughs> at the very end because you were merciless with them. You know, you, you were trying to make nice or make them feel better or anything. It was great. You fool! I assume he was the last celebrity left because both of them were avoiding choosing him? <laughs> I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. It was just, I'm sure. And, and I remember at one point you 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 announced if if we go into another round, we're all going out for drinks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it was just it was just crazy. And it was great too because it was one of those moments where you forget you're on a TV That's show. That's right. That's you're just right. going nuts yeah. and you forget. And the audience was going crazy with it and the crew was dying laughing. And, the, you know, it was just this wonderful thing that, that really transcended the mon- – not the monotony, but the predictability of, yeah. of doing a show with a certain restricted format time after time after time. And suddenly it just became this other thing that was really great. <laughs> and and people still cite as one of their, their favorite – game show moments when they I see have that. it on youtube uh, yeah, yeah yeah no it's great and great joke writing on that show yeah jay raddick dave boone yeah absolutely everybody was funny yeah everybody was funny 
This is an interesting quote from the book that I have to ask you about. You said that growing up is a liability in show business. I think so. I think so. I think you have to um, you have to maintain a certain, regardless of what you're doing, you have to maintain a certain wide-eyed wonder about stuff. You know, otherwise you you kind of atrophy. And uh, yeah, I don't uh, like. I'm 62 now. I don't feel this isn't what I thought 62 would feel like. The maturity level of mm-hmm. a nine-year-old. You yeah, know. it's funny that gets us back to Jerry Lewis again. Yeah. Who, and he would say this in a very cold, intellectual way, yeah. but it, it always made sense. And he would go, the reason that I'm popular still <laughs> is because I'm nine. And yeah. I still have that wonder yeah. of looking at the world yeah. because I'm not an adult. I'm nine. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought. That that's basically it. Yeah, it never rang true when he said it. No, the no, end. when he but said it he as a concept. Like... But yeah, he just he he seemed, um, and I I marveled at his his talent as a young guy. But I I remember watching him like host the Tonight Show and all that, and he just seemed like an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> 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 he really did. And I, so I was really uh, pleased to meet him. And like you, your experience with him, he was always very nice to me. And he and. As a matter of fact, when Parade Magazine wanted to do a cover surrounding the Jerry Lewis telethon, but with me and one of the young kids, I, I didn't want to run afoul of him at all. So I actually got in touch with him. And I got this lovely letter from him saying, no, this is great. We're, we're very happy to have you do it. And so it, my relationship with him was always, to the extent that I had one, was always very gracious and all that. But as a kid, watching him you know, be sort of the, the, the ponderous Jerry Lewis, which is yeah. even – evident in that answer. Oh, yeah. I'm nine. You know, you will just act nine then, you know. Do the voice, lady! You know, something. I, I remember when they were uh, honoring him, like, uh, uh, putting his name on front of the Friars Club. Uh-huh. And they had a speech going on. And that was one of those wonderful moments where he was just being dopey. Yeah. And he yeah. would be yelling stuff out <laughs> while people were talking. And he'd yell and laugh. And then he'd turn. And I was sitting next to him. Yeah. So he'd turn and grab onto my arm and laugh in my face. That's not bad. Like like pulling me in yeah. on the chair. Tell, tell Tom what he said to you about. Oh. Yeah. I, one time at one of the, like some friars thing or yeah. something, I went on and performed. I'm a usual dirty, crazy stuff I'm doing. (laughs) And he walks over to me afterwards and he goes, Gilbert, you are out of your fucking (laughs) mind. (laughs) And I wouldn't want you any other way. Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. (laughs) He he seemed like he could enjoy other people. Yes, you know, and that's a big thing because sometimes no, I, I mean it's not a, a world that I work in, but uh, comics don't always like to see other comics no. score. No, you know? I I forget whose line this was, but somebody said, "How many comedians does it take to screw in a light bulb? A hundred, one to screw in the light bulb, and ninety nine to go." How did he get a light bulb? He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what was your that brings me to what was your stand up like when you came oh, to New York it, and it you... was very short lived. It was very <laughs> short lived. 
because I, I didn't I didn't have the I, I didn't have a, a sensibility or a, uh, you know I, a persona a persona. Yeah. There was a place called the Magic Townhouse. Does it even exist anymore? I don't even know. I think so. And I was the only non-magician on the bill. And my <laughs> only my only good joke is now I'm on stage to make the audience disappear. Uh, but it, and I I would did this like open mic nights and things like that. But I would do like character sketches, and so I didn't have a stand-up persona. So and it, it I quickly realized that wasn't my milieu. So I went back to broadcast. Well, that's what's one of the things that's great about the book. I'm hosting as fast as I can. It's the story of somebody jumping around. I mean, yeah. trying to tr- kind yeah. of trying to find you knew you wanted to be an artist. You knew you wanted to be on the radio. You knew you you did all these things. You, yeah. you, cartoon, you were cartoonist, cartoonist for a while. Yeah. You were a mime for a while. Yeah. It's a great journey. I said it's it's the uh, it had all of the uh, the coherence of a hostage note. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all these things cut together to put a, you know, a, a resume together. And, yeah. and you, you gave a reason. What was your reason for not being a mime? For uh, my reason for not being a mime? Yes. Um, I don't know. What, what was my you reason? You said there sure. was some kind of quote from you that uh, you decided to not continue being a mime because people hate them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. That people do. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I look at somebody like the person I studied with, Tony Montanaro or Marcel Marceau. They were real artists. But then, you know, you got, I, I blame Shields and Yarnell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> blame, oh, that's funny. I blame Shields and Yarnell. Everything turned at that point. And, uh, and it became sort of easy to pick on mimes. But but I you know I remember going to see uh, Marceau on Broadway when I was uh, a teenager and on a school trip and being absolutely mesmerized by what he could do alone on stage and for me loving silent film comedy the way I did that was the modern equivalent to me of physical comedy and there was this one time on Breakfast Time on FX where uh, Marcel Marceau had been booked to do the. I think the Pepsi commercial that Michael Jackson was going to do. Okay. And then his hair caught on fire. Remember? <laughs> right, sure. Michael Jackson's yes, hair caught on fire. They canceled that. And so Marcel Marceau was still in town. So he came and did our show. And I got to do on live television side by side with Marceau, you know, doing some of the, the, the standard and, and basically him correcting me and giving me tips. And I had this master class. It only lasted a few minutes, but it was just amazing. It's pretty good now what you're doing. Thank you. You yeah. still have the. Yeah, you still, still have. have the... You know, it's all in the wrist. Wow, it's all that in the wrist. A still great convincing. Gag that Mel Brooks did in Silent Movie. Oh, the yeah, only wonderful. person who spoke. Yeah. <laughs> At the end gag. of the movie was Marcel Marceau. It's a That's great right. gag. Yeah, that was brilliant. Well, you want to uh, you want to plug your friend's book there? Let's see if I don't fuck this up. <laughs> Before we go, Tom, you want to say anything about somebody that was uh, near and dear to you that you both worked with, uh, Mr. Ritter? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, John was was. I loved having him on the show. I remember one time because we shot Hollywood Squares on the same stage that Jack Benny did his show, and uh, there was this uh, this this little. A thing with a bunch of cables in it, just a little box that had cables and stuff, but it had the logo of the Jack Benny show That's on cool. the side. And I remember dragging John over to it, and the two of us stood there with like this sense of reverence 
but he was wonderful. He was just funny and uh, and and just a, a lovely, lovely guy. Gilbert, you worked with I him too. I remember the light. Well, we did the two Problem Child movies. Oh together. yeah, yeah, right. Where he met uh, Amy. Yeah, right? yes. Amy Aspect. Yeah. And I remember the last time I saw him, um, the Hollywood Squares was shooting in New York, I think it was, or maybe L.A. And they called me in that day because they weren't, I wasn't booked for that day, but they thought one of the other guests might be dropping out. And backstage, I bumped into John Ritter and after we had both worked on the Problem Child movies. And I remember he was like twice my size. Yeah, yeah. And he puts his arms out and he goes, hey, buddy. And he gives me a big hug. (laughs) That's sweet. (laughs) Yeah. He was, was, uh, I think the last time I saw him, I would visit him on the set of Eight Simple Rules. Lois and I would go and and visit and and, uh, go out to dinner with him and Amy. And the, the last Hollywood Squares, I think this was, I noticed something just seemed off. He, he. He, because I would see all of you guys all the time while others were being asked questions, and John's energy was just very, almost like unfocused until he was called on, and then he would, and it wasn't long after that that uh, that he had that aortal thing. Great talent, yeah, and, really a, and another good physical comedian. Yeah, yeah, wonderful physical comedian. Who and and he he credited Van Dyke with a lot of inspiration for a I lot of the stuff, a lot of the Jack. Uh, Tripper, was yeah, that his Jack name, Tripper, um, yeah. Three's Company, that he would do a lot of Van Dyke. Uh, I even asked him about that. I said, some of your takes were very Van Dyke-ish. And he goes, oh, yeah. yeah. It's funny how and, everybody's doing somebody from a previous yeah, generation. That Van Dyke's doing Laurel. There were a couple of facial expressions that he did on Three's Company that were very Jerry Lewis. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, and yeah, Van Dyke did Stan Laurel. Carson did Benny. I mean, yeah. you know, there's always that. You, you well, Carson stuff. borrowed everything. I mean, he was oh, doing yeah. Reggie Van Gleason, oh, Zark yeah. Fern. That's and right. He was doing yeah. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Winters. Yeah, yeah. And Blabby. I, I also remember leaving Hollywood Squares one day, and the driver told me, he had just had John Ritter and Amy Yazbek in the car, and uh, and he said, "Oh, I I drove uh, Gilbert Gottfried." And John Ritter said, "Oh, I I know him really well." And Amy says, "Well, I worked with him more times than you." He says, "No, I think I worked." And they got into an argument in the car. Who worked with me more? <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't take much to trigger them. They, yeah. you know, <laughs> great talent. Yeah. <laughs> Before uh, we end this, I just want to test your anger management. Oh again. yes, <laughs> suck my dick, Tom. Well, Lois is still here. <laughs> She's in the other room. I don't know. This would be wrong. But do you, but yet, do you have any tangerine slices? <laughs> Just settle for a tangelo. Yeah, 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 yeah. A persimmon. <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. So I guess it's still working. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I want to thank Lois, too, for making this episode possible. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. We we have been talking to Tom Bergeron. I had to look at your name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look at the introduction. It's yeah. all a bad sign. Yeah. And you should all read his book. I'm hosting as fast as I can. Host of ABC's Dancing with the Stars, 
Zen and the Art of Staying Sane in Hollywood. It's available at fine bargain bins across the country, <laughs> holding up some of, some of America's finest windows. Also, the, yeah. the audiobooks on Audible. Oh, and, say well, plug that for sure. Amazon. And what and, else is coming up? You're taking a, a little time take off. Take a little time summer. off, and we do our season 25 of Dancing with the Stars on ABC starting in September. Love to Boone. Yes, I, I shall pass that along. Absolutely. This has been an absolute pleasure, I'm and I'm so glad Dara showed up. From <laughs> <laughs> by the way, loved the documentary. Where, where is that being shown? Oh, is it widely the, uh, available? The documentary or? called uh, "Amazingly Enough Gilbert." I know. You forgot the title for a second there, didn't you? Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I blanked out on yeah. the title yeah. of a documentary about me. Well, there's been so many documentaries right. about me. Yeah. I the think... whole Ken Burns series was oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that was me during yeah, the, Civil the Civil War. War. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. When I used to entertain yeah. the troops. I don't know. Gray, blue, what do I look best in? <laughs> That's one of the best impressions we've had uh, of you in really here. That really is. Better hey. than Rich Littles. Oh, uh, is that so right? Is it, is, it, is it Amazon Prime? It's in theaters. Your documentary called Gilbert. I'll help yeah. you with this. It's in theaters <laughs> in <laughs> December, <laughs> and it's it's on Amazon Prime in December. So September in theaters, uh, just in time for Christmas. Yeah, because it's a Christmas there's movie. no better. I mean, yeah. it evokes, there's no better Christmas. There's no better gift. Christmas present than a documentary about Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. <laughs> and and by the way, if you've ever uh, yearned to have a hotel soap collection, a shampoo <laughs> collection. You are going to be so jealous when you watch this documentary. (laughs) Well, to be fair, there's also skin lotion, shampoo. No, that's true. And about nine robes. (laughs) Thanks for this, team. A pleasure. So we've been talking to someone who's really a mean, loud prick. Oh, fuck. What is (laughs) it? <laughs> you guys have a Hollywood Square yeah, flashback. Right. See, so now everybody at the anger management thing say, yeah, "Well, right. I, I was one right. of his people." That's no, right. no, I was. Gonna be coming in for another ten pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We've been talking to our friend Tom Bergeron, the perfect guest. We never had a guest help you with a plug. There you yes, go. Yes. Plug his own documentary. Yeah, what a guy. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> you bet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>